Blog Talk Radio.
Good evening, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Energy Awareness Radio. I got cut off for a little while there, and I apologize for that. Welcome to the show. There are many people in this world. Wow, really not knowing what is happening with the line. I apologize so much, people. I, I really do. I don't know what is going on. I keep getting cut off, and hopefully it won't happen again. I have a different phone line now, so we'll see how this goes. Anyway, as I was saying, I'm going to start over again. There are many people in this world who have opened their hearts and their homes to children in need. And, you know, there are so many who devoted their careers to serving America's foster youth. But in this time in history, it truly astounds me that we continue to have issues with people from all walks of life you know, everything from educators to, to medical people. And they still misunderstand and mistreat, and that's what's most important. They mistreat those with intellectual differences. So that's our topic. It's hard to wrap your head around, but we need to get it out there. So stay tuned and get ready to open both your eyes and your heart wider than you thought possible. This is your host, T-Love, here at Energy Awareness Radio. I am the founder and CEO of the Soji Huggles Children's Foundation, a nonprofit dedicated to providing the basic necessities of life to underprivileged children. I am also a reconnective healing practitioner, certified vibrational sound therapist, and positive psychology and energy psychology practitioner at Quantum Wellness Center, my private practice, located in Sussex County, New Jersey, where Energy Awareness Radio streams to you live each and every week. My guest, Kari Wagner-Peck, is a writer, blogger, and freelance development consultant who also homeschools her son. She's been a professional advocate for homelessness, incarcerated immigration individuals, and has worked as a documentary videographer, teaching videography at the college level. Her writing has been featured in so many different places, the Huffington Post, the Good Men Project, New York Times, Motherload Blog, Sydney Morning Herald, Bloom, The Mighty Love That Max, Yahoo Parenting, Parents Magazine, online site Parents, and Empowering Parents, and so many more. We are so fortunate that she's here to talk to us now, and we welcome her to the show. Kari, thank you for taking time to join us here at Energy Awareness Radio. How are you being? Good. T-Love, I'm so excited to be talking with you. 
I'm so excited that you're here, and I apologize for whatever has been going on with our stupid phone lines. We're not even having bad weather tonight. <laughs> I could understand it if there was an electrical storm, but there's not. <laughs> so I don't know what's going on. But I'm so grateful you're here. You know, your book, Not Always Happy, is really a memoir about adopting and raising your son, who you adopted from the main foster care system, and who happens to have Down syndrome. And when I spoke yes. about your book, people would say to me, oh, you, you know, isn't that sad? And I would say, no, by the sound of your question, not the way you think. Or when I'd say <laughs> the book was humorous, I'd get looked at like I was not taking the issue seriously, which is not the case at all, or, I was, you know, not being kind. There were so many emotions that came to the forefront in reading your book. There was joy, sadness, anger, laughter, compassion, empathy, wicked anger, <laughs> wonder at how or what people think in some instances. It really was a, a, a roller coaster ride of emotions, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. I truly loved your book. So since this Thank is you. your story and it is an ongoing story, why don't we start with you telling us how you came to adopt your son, Thorin? Well, you know, uh, it, it, it came later in life. You know, part of the unusual parenting is, um, you know, I met my husband in my early 40s. He was 29. Um, when we decided that we wanted to be parents together, we sort of initially looked at fertility counseling, which I was never into, but it, it took me canceling that appointment to the clinic twice before I got up my nerve to tell Ward, who's my husband. And so we had to kind of readjust. So I said, um, we both agreed international adoption because that's really what we knew the most. And we couldn't afford it. And I, I hate to say this because it was the perfect choice, but our last choice ended up being foster care because it was free. And it was where we were supposed to be. And so we entered that system, we took the classes, um, and we said we didn't want a child with a disability. Um, and for some reason, our foster care, you know, adoption worker called one night and left a message saying she knew about this little boy. He was two years old, and he had Down syndrome. And for some reason, that didn't bother us. I mean, there's no other way to explain it. We had this sense of calm. It didn't throw us. Um, and I think the fact that it didn't throw us was so profound for us. We were like, well, we should really pursue this then. Um, and we told her we were interested. So, I mean, we didn't make any kind of conscious, I mean, it was a conscious decision, but it wasn't on our to-do list. It was it was quite unexpected. Well, as is, you know, most people when they go through a pregnancy, they don't, well, a lot of people do check and see what did you have, what are you having, a girl or a boy, and they can do all kinds of tests today, but they they are in it for what it is, and it is their child. Obviously, Thorin was meant to be your child, so to me that made perfect sense. It was like, you know, she doesn't, you know, you don't know why, you're just drawn to it, because that's what's supposed to happen. <laughs> and I think I think you're right. I mean, in retrospect, we knew he was our son, um, but it, yeah. I mean, it 
You're right, and you're also right with biological parents. You really don't know what's going to happen. No, no. People oftentimes will say it's the most natural thing in the world. It's like it's really not. It's really not natural to be <laughs> pregnant, or everybody would be pregnant all the time. You know, it's really not natural. It just happens, and you don't know what's happening, but you accept whatever it is because it's it's yours, and you know that this child was meant to be yours because you put, you know, specific things into place. And, I mean, some people are very specific. You know, I want to adopt a boy or a girl, an infant, a child over a specific age. Um, some people, you know, get so far as to say they have to have blonde hair and blue eyes so they look like us or whatever. I mean, I know people who have done this, and it's so specific they end up never having a child because no child meets their criteria. And that's sad because they put too much emphasis on it. And if they were actually just having a child on their own, you know, sometimes there's a throwback. And look at Irish families. You know, you can have a lot of redheads, and then all of a sudden you have one person with jet black hair. Where'd that come from? <laughs> you know? So, yeah, I think that it was well, truly meant to be. <laughs> yeah, because I, I, you're right. I mean, because I think a lot of people lose track of being a parent rather than what the child is. I mean, right. our profile, <laughs> we wanted a boy who was two to seven-ish. And I write in the book, you know, that sounds like drinks at the Algonquin with Dorothy <laughs> Parker. And I was like, even to our adoption worker, I said, should I put ish? And she goes, yes, because what if he's eight? And I'm like, okay, we'll put seven-ish. Right. <laughs> you were open. You were open. I and, think, and we, you got, you I know, think we were. Yeah, you got the perfect little person, you know. Uh, I think some of the things that – were astounding that maybe people don't know. Uh, I have a, a niece who has Down syndrome. I have a friend who has a brother who has Down syndrome. Um, you know, I think this touches a lot of different people. But what was astounding to me, because I wasn't so aware of it, is the mistreatment by professionals, by professionals yeah. who are in the industry to you know, to hear, uh, to help people with special needs. It's so funny. This morning I was working out and I heard on Good Morning America, I think it was Good Morning America, somebody said uh, their their parent, their mom was a special ed teacher. And after reading your book, I was like, yeah, but was she a good one or she was, was she one of those? <laughs> you know, and I thought, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm judging this. This is really bad. <laughs> but it made me think of that because... Truly, you know, it's kind of like when you hear about nursing homes and how people are treated in nursing homes. People, oh, you work at a nursing home, how nice and caring of you to be able to help people. Well, yeah, but then people have, you know, all these sores because nobody's helping them out of bed or whatever. What kind of a helper are you? And as I said, it was the gamut of emotions in reading your book. It went through everything, and I was just astounded by some of the, the ways that, children were mistreated. And one of the things that got me was the landmark study by the U.S. Department of Education Civil Rights Division where they found 267,000 occurrences of restraint used at school in 2012. That's five years ago. So three-quarters were children with a disability. And that's crazy. That's crazy. First of all, I I don't think restrained unless there's something serious going on. And when I mean serious problem, like, you know, they're attempting to kill someone with a weapon. Other than that, my question really is like, what the hell? What are you restraining them for? I know. Well, because I think it becomes part of the culture that you want to control somebody. And instead of figuring that, instead of figuring out how to help someone learn how to um, self-manage, uh, um, this go-to point became just 
secluding people with disabilities or restraining them. I mean, in the book I talk about it, Thorin was two, and he weighed, at that point, he was a very small child. I mean, he couldn't walk, and he weighed 22 pounds. And I found him restrained in a chair by his speech therapist, and her rationale, I mean, he was hysterical. And her rationale was he tries to get away. And it's like, you know, this is beyond lacking imagination. This is not seen that this human being is a human being. Right. Um, You're willing to strap them in a chair and let them scream into a hysterical state, and it's acceptable to you. I mean, it got written off as inexperienced, but I think these things happen over and over and over again and it has to do with a diminished view of these children it brought me back to watching uh you know movies on tv where they put people in the west wing you know and it was because they put them in the west wing of the house simply because the woman went mad after she had a baby okay she probably had postpartum depression Okay, she didn't go mad. She just had postpartum depression. That's really not anything to put somebody away for. But they, the fact that they were treating these children like this, uh, um, you know, restraining them, because they could not figure out how to work with them. That's their right. job. I mean, it, just help somebody. I mean, yeah. but, you know, two-year-olds try to get, uh, I mean, I'm using air quotes here, <laughs> try to get away all the time. <laughs> they have very short attention spans. So, I mean, it's is really within the realm of typical behavior. So make your session shorter. Or be hey, but that's more any two year old. That's not just two year olds exactly. with Down syndrome. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm thinking, exactly. okay, so you I don't mean, even understand the the fact that this is what a two year old does and you're restraining the child and blaming it on the fact that it's Down syndrome and you didn't know what to do and you're a special ed teacher. It kind of boggles the mind. Well and this person was eight months pregnant. That 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 really scared me because right. I thought, oh, my God, and she's reproducing? She shouldn't be allowed to because she doesn't know what she's doing. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, my God. Well, right. I mean, it's like no understanding of any, as you said, any two-year-old. Yeah, because as you said in your book, these children with Down syndrome are no different than other children except for the fact that they cannot communicate in the way that we, that the rest of the world communicates, Okay. And so they need to be, you need to figure it out. You know, in life we need to figure things out. So instead of just brushing somebody off, I don't understand them, that's, you know, it's out of the question. Why don't you figure out how to work with people so that you can help them, especially when that's your job? Right. And that was more true. I mean, Thorin has apraxia. So he, he does have, I mean, there are other people who have Down syndrome who communicate you know, they, they don't have communication issues. But for somebody like Thorin, the apraxia made it, it, I mean, it still makes it very difficult. And you're right. You know, the onus has to become, you know, the human contract is we're in this together. It's not just one person's job to make it work. You know, we both have to be invested in it. Well, and you could tell in reading your book that Thorin is a smart little kid. <laughs> He knew what he was doing sometimes. <laughs> oh, he totally, yeah. I mean, Thorne can be a real ball buster. Yeah, um, exactly, and, exactly. And that's typical, too. That's really typical. He put me through the paces. 
as a parent. And I, I think there is a sophistication to that. You know, I could have seen it as a behavior problem or willfulness or stubbornness. And instead, you know, my husband and I chose to see it as these are strategies. Thorne is trying to figure out what works and what doesn't work. And we all do that. Right. <laughs> no matter our age, we're all trying to figure that out. It is so uh, amazing that, you know, it, it. your book is written in a way, first of all, you can't put the book down. I couldn't put it down. I just kept reading it. It was great. And oh, you, you just wanted to hear more because you wanted it to, you know, you wanted to see what the outcome was going to be with all these people that were involved in Thorne's life and not, not giving it their best shot. I really, I firmly believe if you're in a job like that, you need to give it your all. You know, do the job, do it well, or go find another job. I don't care what the job is, quite frankly. You know, do your job as right. well as possible. And when you're not doing it, 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 it to the fullest, to the utmost, then you need to go find something else to do. And, yeah. you know, all children test people. How far can we go? How far can I push this? What can right. I get away He's going to do that, too. You know, he's no different than anybody else, except in the way that he needs to learn or be communicated with. And that's right. fair. You know, that's fair. Right. It would be like going to France. I couldn't communicate with children there because I don't speak French. So I would have to learn. And that's, I'm glad you brought that up because actually his speech therapist brings that up. You know, you have to realize, like, when he uses the augmentative communication device, I don't think people realize it is that kind of um, challenge. We take it for granted that we speak English. But you're right. If we were thrown into some other culture, we have to figure out, and we'd hope that people would be, like, sympathetic to us somehow. Yeah. Or empathetic. Like, okay, let's, we're, I want to know what you're saying. And try to help out. There's a show right. on TV. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's called Speechless. I think that's the name of it. I, I haven't yet. Okay. It's about this young man who's in a wheelchair. And I've only seen it a couple of times. I really don't know what this young man has. But I know he can't speak, and he speaks through a computer. I also know he's extremely intelligent. He's going. He's in the regular school program, and, and his mother is a mama bear, and she is going to protect this kid as she should. You know, and there's one instance in the book where you talk about a little kid named Christopher. Oh, and I have to ask you, are all these names changed to protect the innocent or protect the guilty? Um, anyone who uh, – the people that did write by Soren all get their real names. And the others are um, made up. <laughs> the others are – oh, well, actually, there are a lot of people that did do lovely things for Thorne, and I changed their names just because of their jobs. So mm. – um, but, yeah, Christopher's name is not Christopher. Yeah. So there's this little kid who's on the playground with Thorin, and they're on a platform, and both of six years old, and, of course, Thorin is a smaller six-year-old, and this kid, Christopher, takes Thorin and face bashes him off the platform down into the ground. Now, okay, you see this, and you tell the <laughs> child you saw that, and the child tells you it's an accident, and you say, no, it wasn't, don't mess with me. And, I, and that's how, exactly how I read it. Like, don't mess with me. <laughs> like, I'm surprised she didn't push him down in the ground and say, how do you like it, you know? 
Right, because that's your immediate instinct when somebody Yeah, it really child. is. You're the mama but, bear, and yeah. you told your husband that. And all I could think of was, well, Ward, it's really good you're not married to me because I would have gone to the parents' house, knocked on the door, and whoever the unlucky person was that answered the door would have gotten smashed in the face. How do you bring up a child? At the age of six, you know better. You know better, and you know what's different. And how does a parent bring up a child and not teach them that, first of all, you don't hit, punch, or, or push anybody, anybody, I don't care who it is, anybody, let alone somebody that you know is smaller in stature than you is the same age and you know that they're a little bit, you know, have more difficulty learning. So how does that make it right? I would have been so pissed at those parents. I literally would have gone to the house. Did you ever meet with those parents? You know, I didn't. I mean, what happened before that is I had found out from Soren that that boy and another boy had done something to him. It wasn't clear um, that had slapped him or done something. And so I started, <laughs> I started, I mean, this part, I mean, that isn't funny what happened to him, but what I started doing is shadowing Thorin at school. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd go before school and after school and I'd just watch because I wanted to, I mean, I, I had this feeling that, Things were happening that weren't beat. And, and then, of course, I saw Christopher do that. Yeah. Um, you know, I didn't get into it with the, the other parents. You know, there was so much going on at the school. I was so, uh, I feel like Thorin and Ward and I were all so done in by the school. Like the thought of going someplace else was too exhausting. Yeah. And you did give it your best shot. I mean, there was so much time spent working with the school and all the different people at the school, some who were willing to work with you, some who said they were willing to work with you seemingly and then did not, some who lied to you, outright lied about different programs. It was crazy. It was crazy because why did they not know that you would figure it out? I mean, don't tell me that this is what you're going to do with my kid and I put him in a summer, summer program and that's not it at all. Did you think I was you know, just going to drop my kid off and not, not pay attention and see what was going on? I, I don't understand that whole thing at all. Well... But I think, you know, I talked about that briefly in the book. So uh-huh. I took Thorin to that summer program that was this um, fraudulent program that the woman right. had lied about. She said it was an inclusive program. How wonderful. We got this great grant. And none of that was true. But she had really tried to get me to send him on a bus, which most parents have to do because of their work schedule. Now, my work schedule was flexible then. I could work at night. And so I don't think she was planning on me being able to witness everything. Um, well, yeah, that's this was kind of, that, that's, Right, and that was the frightening part is yeah. that she, I mean, she knew Thorne would not be able to tell me what was going on. Um, so, I mean, I think, I hate to say it, but, I mean, sometimes children are at the prey of people who are not doing their job well. Yeah. And you found it all out because, I mean, it was contrived. She was just trying to push this kid through and get you off of her back. She didn't want to deal with right. it. And, right. And I thought, seriously, though, this is a child who needs more help. And, and you're in a program or, or a school where you have these programs. I could understand if I were a teacher and not special ed and someone said, we're going to put this child in your class, I'd be like, I don't know how to do that. I'm going to be right up front with you and say, I do not know how to deal with that. So you should find somebody who does special ed because I'm not qualified. It wouldn't be a case of 
you know, I just don't want to. It would be a case of, I don't think I'm going to serve this child well. You better find somebody else. Admit it if you can't do it. You know, don't just put a kid in and, and say, all right, we're going to take care of it and tell you how great this program, because it sounded good. I'm reading the book going, oh, this is really good. She got so lucky. And then I thought, oh, not so lucky after all, huh? You know? Right. Right. Yeah. Because they had promised sort of a, a, a classic inclusion setting. There's a special education teacher. There's a regular teacher. There are two aides. Everyone is, you know, that, um, yeah, I mean, it, it was a fantasy land. It, it, it's actually textbook what it's supposed to look like. So she, here's the part that's infuriating. She knew what it's supposed to look like. She just didn't know how to create it. That, that's just, that's crazy, <laughs> you know. And to not be upfront with you and say, you know, we can't possibly help you with this. We don't know what to do. I, I, I lost track, actually. How many years was he in the uh, regular school program before you took him out and decided, I'm homeschooling my child? It was just kindergarten and first grade. Yeah. I mean, that, that was, was really enough for us. Um, you know, I think there are some districts and teachers and schools that do a beautiful job. There are really great teachers and administrators out there. And they embrace the idea of inclusion and, um, you know, they have a philosophy and they've educated themselves. I mean, that isn't what our experience was. So I don't want people to think that, you know, I mean, I do believe it's possible because I know people who experience that or their children do. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, this was, there was, there was no, because they didn't know what they were doing, um, and sometimes they didn't even know what they were doing was wrong, there was, there was really no opportunity to say, hey, we need help. You know, I don't, we want to do this, but we don't know how to do it. They just, it was deniability. And I think that's the part in any kind of situation that's difficult, that's really hard, because you can't go up against that. And I think, too, that your book raises the awareness that no matter what, continue to ask questions and, and forge ahead with your child, but constantly seek out new answers and watch and see what's happening. Be the observer so that you can make really well-informed decisions because sometimes, I mean, when we look at that, that statistic of 267,000 occurrences of restraint in schools in 2012 and three-quarters of them, our children with a disability. That's 198,000 students. That's a lot of students. Well, and the fact that they were documenting those instances mm-hmm. when they were illegal. So it wasn't the cases you're talking about where somebody's a threat to themselves right. or someone else, where right. it's like, okay, this is a last resort kind of, you know, how can we help this person or how can we make people safe? These people didn't even know that what they were doing was illegal. That's astounding. I mean, I know, I know. You know, when you talked about the the restraints on the chair, I thought, how can someone not know? How can someone think that, well, this is okay? It's not. You know, it's, it's crazy, but sometimes just hugging someone is a lot better, and you can calm them down that way. And these are children. They're children. 
you know, so you have to do a little bit more for them because they're so young. They're new here. They haven't had the experience the rest of us have had. They certainly don't have resilience yet built in and, and know how to bounce back from situations. They are learning, and they're looking up to people to teach them. And Ex- Yes, yes. Yeah. I mean, that's our job is how to – and I love that you said they're new here. I mean, because that's really it. They are. They are. <laughs> I mean, not just children with Down syndrome. All children are new here. And um, they they do need help and guidance. They don't need um, to be controlled. They need to learn how can they control themselves. Right. Because all they want – Really, all children want is to be loved. Really, all they, that's, that's what is inherent in us. You know, it's to be loved and to be wanted and to be understood. And when they're not, that's when tempers flare and you don't understand what, I, you know, what I'm doing and you don't love me anymore. And they feel that way because people either chastise them or they restrain them or they're screaming and yelling at them. You know, that's not the way to do it. <laughs> it's just not right. how it's done. <laughs> right. It's not helpful. No. And, you know, Thorne did have people that were in the school, you know, that were really kind. I mean, there were some people that were very much wanted everything to succeed, but they were fearful of talking out. And I I get that. And, that, you know, one of the people told me that, you know, I, I don't have a backbone. I'm afraid to say something. And, yes. you know, yep. I, I understand that. And there were other people who kind of put themselves out there and they were going to kind of risk whatever would happen to them and and we're just really grateful to them because you know Thorin does remember those people it was you know there were people that were trying to do good things it just well, there sure, weren't enough no of different them. than the rest of us you're going to remember the tr- you know you don't remember what somebody said you don't remember what somebody did but you always remember how somebody treated you and that makes right. a difference i don't care who you are you will remember that it's not that Thorin is a, a child without a brain and doesn't, and that's yet how people treat people like this. Right. Okay, right. they can't learn, they won't know, they don't know the difference. That's so not true. Right. But, I mean, that, I think, you know, we, we've come a long way, but we have a long way to go and, mm-hmm. in terms of really understanding people who have Down syndrome. And you're right. The low expectations, there's really no difference. I mean, my son is a very complex individual. He has hopes. He has dreams. He has desires. There, you know, he has wants. He has things that he doesn't like doing. He's, he's, um, he really isn't that different from other children, but we, we have such a puny view of right. children and people with Down syndrome, adults. Yes, yep. Just they put them into a category that they're not like us, so therefore they're less than us. Not true. Not true. We have so much right. to learn, so much to learn from because right. these people, and I don't like saying that, but I don't know how else to categorize this and to make my point, so I'm going to say it. These people with these different disabilities, I am going to say that 99.999% of them live from their hearts. They live directly from their hearts. There is not a mean bone in their body. Now let's look at the rest of the human race. Who needs to learn from who? Well, I don't know if you say that about Soren. I mean, he is, he's a very loving and kind child. Um, but, I mean, Soren, he, I mean, he, he, he has his moments where um, 
yeah, I mean, he can, he's not a bully or anything, but he can be somebody um, who challenges uh, the conventions of society the same way other 10 year olds do. Sure. Um, yeah. And, and so I can I mean, understand that because if you're, if you're feeling like something is being, uh, you know, told to you that attacks you personally or your family or something that's important to you, you know, there's really the only three reasons why you're going to attack back. That's really it. And, but the way that they, they, that they, I've seen so many of these little kids that come from their hearts. They just, they're really, they're all about living in love. And it isn't until somebody throws a grenade in and says, well, now we're, you know, we're going to switch things up and you're not going to like it, that they might, you know, do something and, and, and come back with it. But they don't hurt intentionally. They don't set out to hurt intentionally. Well, I hate, I hate saying this. It makes it sound like I'm this mother who's trying to get her kid in trouble. But we just got this new dog. He's six years old. And he's very small. He's only 12 pounds. And Thorne figured out he can kind of push him around. Mm. And I'm like, you know, which I think 10-year-olds or any kid is going to kind of push that boundary. And I've yeah. been like, you can't just because you're bigger. And when he found out he was going to lose his iPad for 24 hours, which he did, he was like, I'm not touching that dog again. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, I mean, he can, he does engage in the same kind of testing other kids do. Sure. Um, the other thing is we can't have ice cream in the house anymore. He's a 10-year-old boy, and so he's craving calories. Oh. He was up at 3 o'clock in the morning eating a half a gallon of ice cream. I'm like, we're oh not buying God. ice cream anymore. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of a lot of things where he's like right on track developmentally with the rest of the herd. Mhm. Yep. And I think that's something that people don't understand that they don't they don't see it that way. They don't believe that that's a possibility, or they don't understand that oh that is a possibility. I didn't know that. So it's a revelation to them. You know, it's something that right. it's something that needs to be taught to the rest of society. You need to understand where everybody plays out. I mean, a new kid comes to school from another state or another country, and that's the kid that everybody wants to find out about and learn about. So, you know, it's always, there's always something that we need to learn in order to interact with other people, whether they're from another culture or whether, or they have a a disability, an, an intellectual disability. And that's fair. We need to just figure it out rather than being mean. One of the things that bothered me like crazy in the book was when you were talking about Dr. Not McDreamy, <laughs> which oh, was God, funny. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and the dentist. Okay, these two people are asses, okay? <laughs> we just know this from the get-go. <laughs> no, they and I'm like, really oh, my God, how do you tra- You're a doctor and you're a dentist. There's really not anything more to say except that these two bonehead doctors, you know, doctor and dentist, I, I don't even understand them. I, I just... My God, you took an oath not to harm people, and yet there you are being miserable to a child. What was up with that? I don't know. I mean, I wonder if it's like ego or something. I mean, the dentist, I mean, what I detailed in the book is, I mean, Thorin really had suffered from malnutrition. I mean, the the woman he lived with did an amazing job, but once the damage is done earlier, Mm -hmm. um, 
And so two teeth had broken off during the night. And he had these little jagged things. And, you know, we just thought the dentist would be alarmed. And he's sort of like, so what? And and then when we go in to have them pulled, um, I mean, I felt like he was the child and Thorin was the adult. I mean, yeah. I felt like I had to keep this guy calm. But the teeth um, broke off after the hygienist worked oh, on him during really the day. she really went at him. Yeah. yeah. She really went after him. And um, I'm thinking... Okay, he's not even saying it's our fault or we might have contributed to that in any way and not wanting and saying, you know, what do you want me to do? Well, I want you to pull the teeth. Well, it's a Saturday. Well, I'll meet you in the office. Well, no, I'm not going to do that. Seriously, it's your fault. It's your office's fault. But, you know, I think there are people, and it, it goes back to that deniability again. I think there are there are people who do their job and they they behave in a, ethical manner like that's mm-hmm. part of their practice um and i think there's people that aren't and they're they when confronted they're not going to go oh busted you're right they're going to push back and that was like thorne's first pediatrician you know he couldn't accept that i thought thorne had asthma until after we had a an you know a, a horrific ambulance drive to the hospital and even then I mean I, I think there are some people particularly professionals who do not want to be questioned they oh, well, want absolute authority yes they're the experts you can't be right you can't possibly be right and it goes against their ego and they're smarter than you and know more than you and quite frankly they've gone to enough schools to have the easy road right right now they don't want to have to deal with any cases that might cause them to have to work overtime and, I mean, I've seen that a lot. I'm an integrative health care practitioner. I see it with doctors a lot. I know who has the uh-huh. ego and who doesn't, and I know who to avoid. Right. And it's like, okay, that guy's an ass. Uh-huh. I'm not dealing with him, you know. <laughs> well, and you're right. I think you have to just avoid the person because you can't change them, and that's what we did. We found a different dentist, and we and we found a different pediatrician because you're you're not going to make them different. No. But I would have been on one of those doctor review and dentist review websites, and I would have been writing a lot. Did you do that? <laughs> oh, no. That's a good idea. I wish I had done that. <laughs> You're going mean, to hang up with who's going to say, I didn't I was... like the interview. She told you to do stuff I don't want you to do. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, I mean, there was just, I, I feel like at a certain point we were just, you know, dodging bullets, like these sort of, you know, yeah. it was yeah, so going on. constant. I mean, yeah, and our life is so calm now. It just it feels so lovely and 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 wonderful. I mean, the more we've moved away from those kind of people, the better it's gotten for Thorin. Well, the cool part too was when you started the homeschooling and you brought him to the museum, and it seemed like that was a pivot point for you in how to actually yeah. do the homeschooling. Yeah. Yes. I mean, him going to the theater class and not having an aide and me leaving him with strangers for 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. I mean, Thorne did not have a problem with that. I'm the one who did. Right. <laughs> um, and it it was realizing, oh, my gosh, like, Thorne can do this. And that was really important because his self-confidence had been so shaken. Um, and... 
Yeah, I mean, that place is so amazing. I mean, you know, now he's done three years of theater. And does, do, you, um, do you do a more streamlined homeschooling now, or are you still doing it in a way, you know, like you brought him to the museum and he learned a lot there at the museum, and then there was the, um, the, the, the drama school and, uh, and uh, theater school, and all of that is not traditional education. But it's a way that you found that he could learn. So, are you doing more of that, or are you also are you incorporating both? How how is the homeschooling going? It it's still a mix. I mean, reading, writing, math, um, you know, and how all of that happens at home, and the rest of it is really based on his interests. He takes dance classes. He does the theater. Um, he's done science camps. I do a movie class with he and a friend of his. I mean, it, it's really, even the writing is based on, you know, tell me a story. And we write that together. And then have him write it out. And um, the reading is, like, who are you interested in? And this last year it was George Washington and Egy- ancient Egypt. Wow. So it, yeah, I mean, he really, well, but you've got to know, I mean, he's thrilled at the fact they pulled the brains out of the nose on the mummies, right? I mean, that's, that's, that's the part that makes him fascinated. Um, well, I do too, though. I was teaching as part of the STEM program at St. Elizabeth's College in New Jersey, and the kids came into my part of the class, which was the S science part, um, and I was doing vibrational sound therapy, and they had just come from, dissecting a brain and I was like isn't it cool it slices so easily and they looked at me and they said yeah how do you know I said oh I've sliced a brain before I find it fascinating so I, I get it <laughs> that sounds really cool so you're doing like you're doing that in a school system yeah the vibrational sound therapy yeah teaching the kids about yeah. it what it is I don't teach them how to do it but I teach them about it um, and it's just part of the the summer camp, I guess, is what it is, or um, I don't know how they refer to it. It's part of the STEM program, the, the the science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. So it's very interesting. But the fact that they were doing a brain thing, I totally get where Thorne's coming from. You know, it's like it's really cool to take a brain out. <laughs> right, right. I would be so, interested I mean, in that think... too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so our focus is on. What are his interests, um, which you can't really do in a regular school study? I mean, that would be impossible, I think. Yeah. Um, and incorporating that into learning. And I think, it, you know, it's worked. He's a very, Thorne is just a really curious, motivated learner. So it, I think that really helps. And he's visual because, and this this yes. is interesting, you know, the photography that he was doing. And I thought, oh, my God, this is right up her alley. She's a videographer, and I can't take a picture to save my life. So to me, photography, videography, it's right along the same lines. I don't know. It could be totally different. But to me, you know, if, if, you're, if you aim something at something and you get a picture, it's like, same thing. <laughs> right. And I thought, this must be very interesting to you because he, he has to be very visual. The pictures that he was taking – or, I mean, people thought they were phenomenal, and they put them on exhibit. This is crazy good. They really are. You know, they're, they have, a like, a narrative documentary quality to them. And even the art teacher, who is one of the, like, heroes in the book, 
had said, Thorin, these are good for somebody of any age. Mm-hmm. And for somebody who has a challenge communicating with people, his photography is so articulate. And so um, it was just like, wow, you know, I mean, our, my husband and I, the ward and I are just like, just stay out of it. Like we're terrified to take him to a photography class. I mean, I don't have anything to do with that. I just stand back and whatever he does, he does. Because he, that's his vision and we don't want to interfere with that. It could be something he ends up doing for work. Have you ever considered selling his photos? You know, I have. We Every year for family and friends, the um, gifts we give, are he, he does a calendar. Okay. And they're really great calendars. And so I had said to him, I said, what if we did a calendar next year and it would cover, you know, because homeschooling <laughs> it doesn't pay what you would think. Um, and so I was like, could we sell your calendar so it could pay for your classes maybe? And he's like, yeah. yes. So I think we might do that this year. But he just told us last week he wants to be a hairdresser. Well, there you go. Well, how old is he now, like 10? Yeah, he's 10. Um, okay. So yeah, I that might change. Him being, <laughs> <laughs> that could change. I could totally see him being a hairdresser. <laughs> that could easily change by the time he's 17, 18. <laughs> I know. I feel like he could make more money with photography. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, it depends on who he's a hairdresser for. I mean, you get him to be the hairdresser to, like, oh. Beyonce, he could be making a lot of money. <laughs> That's right. He's going to have to do famous hair. That's right. That's right. Put him along that track, you know. Oh, my goodness. So we're getting close to the top of the hour, but I do want to ask you, this book to me, I don't know, I think it should go to every person who's in special education so they can, they can see that there are people out there oh, who, you know, you. aren't necessarily – doing it the way that's supposed to be done, and maybe those people who aren't doing it the way that's supposed to be done can get out and make more room for the people who do want to do it properly. Uh, what do you hope, you know, the readers will get from this book ultimately? You know, I mean, you feel good throughout the entire book, but what's your ultimate desire for the for the reader? I think to experience our life the way we do, which is, you know, imperfect and messy and funny and not just about down syndrome you know it um there is a a philosophy that says which we agree with and i think is actually true is that disability is natural it's not something to be feared or pitied right um and that neurodiversity someone with cognitive challenges it's like any other diversity like Uh you had said earlier it isn't it isn't somebody who's a less than person. They're a different person. Um, and I do experience life pretty humorously. And I'm hoping that that using the humor allows people to go, like when you were saying, like, oh, should you be laughing at that book? It's like, yeah, you should, because it's just life. Um, and I think that's really it. You know, our our life is not that different from anyone else's, and it's certainly not different because of Down syndrome. Right. And to just be in joy, no matter what. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, 
I don't know. I'm a late bloomer. I didn't go to college until I was late. I didn't get married until I was late. I don't have a lot of rules about how life is supposed to look. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's worked well for me. And that that's what I want my son to believe as well. I mean, that's what Warden I want for Thorin. Yeah, to just be in the moments that you have and 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 work with that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not a contest. No, no. And that's a good way to be, actually, because if you are just being in the moments and doing the things that you love to do, it's going to help you and everybody else around you. So, you know, it makes the world a better place because there's no control, there's no ego, there's no judgment, there's no, you know, there's no hatred or anger or anything like that. You're just being in the moment, doing what you want to do, and being happy. I think that's probably what everybody wants is just, you know, happiness. And if if we can get that, then we're pretty darn lucky. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And for us, it meant moving away from the institutions and really – you know, kind of doing our own thing. I mean, I, I feel like I'm like this total 70s person kind of am. It's like we're just doing our own thing here, and it's really working. And that's how it should be. Everybody should be able to do what they want to do and make it work for them. I applaud you for writing your book. I think it's a great book. It's so honest. It's so open. It comes from your heart. Everything in it is it is very enlightening because there are things that you just – you read it and you can't believe it. And you say, wait a minute, what What just happened here? And you go back and read it again. I thought, wow, I mean, I read this. I couldn't put it down. I read it very quickly. But I took oh, notes as I went along because I wanted to ask questions, you know, on, on air. And and it just, some of the things just astounded me. Because even though I could think back and I knew issues that came up with the people that I know who have Down syndrome, it was like, right. none of them were like this. None of them were like this. Like, you know, a couple of them were, there were doctors that were, you know, buttheads. But, you know, it was like, okay, they just, I always attribute that to the, you know, too much education and and thinking that they're oh so smart and above everybody else and the superiority thing. And I (laughs) I have to let that go and think, oh, you're fine. Yeah, you're God. Good for you. Got to go see somebody else. I can't, I don't want to go to God, you know. (laughs) So, you know, but I think that your book is really, it's very educational. And yet it's not written in an academic way at all. So everybody would get something out of it. Whether you think you know someone with any kind of disability or not, somewhere in your life you've been touched by it or you will be. And this is a great book to really set you straight and realize that, you know, we're all in this together and we're all all not so different. We're not so different. I mean, let's face it, there are people who are considered normal who, you know, by rights, after you talk to them for a while, you think, my God, they need to to go somewhere. Oh, I'm so, so I think glad that, you like the book. You know, I just think that it's a great book. It's a great, um, it's a great story, and it's real. And that's, you know, that's the beauty of it. It's not like these reality TV shows that half of them are fake. This is real. This is the reality of life. And it's such a quick read, such a good read, and it tells you so much. And, and it brings hope. So I think that's something that I looked at and thought, I hope people see that the hope that comes from this, the fact that, you know, things can change, you can make things change, and it will all turn out for the best. Because I think you did that with the way that you've you've gone through the process thus far with Thorne and where you are right now with him. Yes, yes, I, I agree with that too. You know, I 
I think there's a lot of focus on making things happen. And I, I don't have any problem with that, but sometimes life comes to you. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that is the lesson Ward and I have learned is sometimes you just have to let life come to you and trust that this is your path. And that's when it works, when you have the trust and you know, you know you've got the backup and the support that it, life is going to, to support you in your decisions. And you've done a great job with that. And, oh, my gosh, we are now at the top of the hour, and I thank you okay. so much for coming on the show. I, I truly intend you sell a gazillion copies of this book. I mean, everybody needs to read this oh, book. I hope so <laughs> you know? And people who say, well, I don't think it applies to me. I'll I'll say to them, well, you know, watch the, you know, um, Scrooge and listen to Jacob Marley when he says mankind is our business because this story applies to anyone on this planet who refers to themselves as a human being as far as I'm concerned. So it's Thank really, you. yeah, it's not hard. It is challenging to see the humanity in some people, it, but it boggles the mind, and I think that people will come into their own humanity if they just read this. There's an element of understanding that they have to get if they don't have it already. So, so, Carrie, oh my um, before we go, please tell our listeners how they can learn more about you and where they may purchase your book, Not Always Happy. Um, well, you know, if you want to start with your favorite local bookstore, please do. Otherwise, it's on Amazon, Not Always Happy, An Unusual Parenting Journey. And I also have a website, kariwagnerpeck.com. It has more information on the book, and then there's a link to my blog as well. But, yeah, and thank you for saying that. I I think, you know, we all know what it's like to be on the outside. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, <laughs> I mean, I'm biased, but that I do agree with you. That's why the book works. <laughs> and it does. I just, I, it's a great book. So get the book. Go to the blog. Read the blog because the blog, I mean, you do have humor in your writing, which is great because it, it brings in lightness to, to the subject matter that people don't think is there. And that. I think is what is the difference, and it makes a difference. So, uh, so go out and get the book. Not always happy. Kari Wagner Peck. You can ask your local bookseller to uh, get it for you, and they will get it in quickly, I'm sure. So, listeners, we need you to spread the word. We know you enjoy what you hear on Energy Awareness Radio. So, please share it with your friends. We live in a very challenging and constantly changing world, and that's why I have the guests that I do to keep you apprised, so you won't get lost in the dross of life. We need to stay aware so we can navigate easily and live the life we're meant to live, productively, healthfully, and purposefully. And this is where you find the tools to do just that. So send the link for this show to everyone you know and let them have the same opportunity you just had. On behalf of everyone here at Energy Awareness Radio, I'd like to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. My name is T. Love, and I'll be back week for another great show here at Energy Awareness Radio. For more information about me, please visit my website, quantumwellness.org, and also my children's book, Santa's Tiniest Elves, just launched last week on August 1st. A portion of the proceeds from the sale of the book is going directly to children in need. It's available at Amazon and, of course, for your local bookseller. Be sure to check out our site, sojihuggles.org, where every penny of every donation goes directly to children in need. We are run solely by volunteers. There are no salaries or stipends or compensation of any kind, any kind. We are Soji Huggles Children's Foundation, investing in a brighter tomorrow by giving them a better today. So thank you for taking time to visit that website, SojiHuggles.org. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, at NRG Aware Radio, and at Soji Huggles. I am your host, T-Love, here at Energy Awareness Radio, intending you and yours a most wonderful week. Remember, living from your heart is quite easy. You need only give thanks to do so. Take care and stay well. So, Carrie, you still there?
Yes, I am. What do you think? Oh, my God, you're amazing. Did you have a good time? (laughs) I'm not amazing. You are. (laughs) I really, really did. I really, really did. I'm so glad because I really liked your book. I was looking forward to the show. Thank you. I really was. You get it. You totally get it. Um, When you read anybody's books, you do. I've had authors say to me a million times, wow, I can tell you read the book. And it's like, well, you sent me the book for free. I'm going to read your book. I'm going to ask you questions. I'm going to go do a review because you came on air. (laughs) And they're like, wow. Oh, my gosh. But so many of the people, and I think it's like they just, for whatever reason, weren't able to read it when they interviewed me. And so, and not that they did a bad job. It's just there's a depth to it when somebody not only reads it but connects to it. And I just, I really appreciate it. Like, you totally got it. Oh, well, you're quite welcome. The publicists I work with, I think that's why I work with so few, because they know that they send me the people, I read the book, and I do the job that I think needs to be done because it's all about promoting you and your work. And I I think that's important. And uh, there are some people who will only have, uh, you know, high-level people on, and I've had high-level people on, and I've also refused a couple of high-level people because I didn't like that book. I'm sorry. I don't care who they are. I don't like the book. (laughs) If it's not going to be fun for me, I'm not going to do it. So, you know. Right. (laughs) But Talk about living in the moment. Is there anything I, you know, is there stuff I could have done better? No, I thought you were great because I didn't know how nervous you were going to be. I didn't know how many interviews you had done. And I'm like, I don't know how many interviews she's done. I don't know how nervous she's going to be. I've had people like Dr. Bernie Siegel say to me, oh, my God, T, it's like sitting in a living room with someone. We're just having a conversation. You don't interrogate at all, you know. And and one person said to me, I like that you asked a question, and then you actually listened to what I had to say, and we moved on, because I answered a question, and then they had the person ask another question, and I just answered that question in the previous question. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I heard that. I hate that. (laughs) So when I go through a book and I read it, I write questions down, and then as you respond to them, I'm crossing off questions. So usually my 40 questions get answered somewhere, and I don't have to ask them because – you know, it was a conversation, which was great. And I never follow the script. I go where the conversation goes. So there could end up being like 20 questions that never came up. It wasn't meant to come up. The conversation had to go a different way. I firmly believe whoever's listening and tuning in is getting what they need to get based on what it is that we're saying. You know, right. so I, I like to have right. it be a conversation. I, I'm, you know, and I probably should have said that to you. Elise knows that, but I'm not really sure if she ever tells people that, that it's more of a conversation than just a line of questioning. I don't. I don't feel people like to listen to that too much. They'd rather have a conversation going on. Um, so I should have yeah. mentioned that oh, so oh, that no. you had. No, yeah, no, no. Talking. I mean, it was like I was just like, that's how I felt. All of a sudden I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is like we're having a conversation. This yeah. is not Q&A. This is trying to figure something out together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And giving. I mean, yeah. there are times I'll ask, I'll ask questions and they'll say, yeah, and, and you said it a couple of times, well, I put it in my book. And I'm like, yep. And that's good because then the person knows I have to ask questions so the audience knows, you know, this is what the book is about. So sometimes my initial questions will be questions that, yeah, I read the book, I know the answer, but, you know, they don't, so we have to do it for them. So it's like a performance for them. And then when it gets into the the actual conversation, it's really just more informative. And I have to tell you, people love that. I mean, I'm constantly getting emails about, oh, I really like the way 
So, yeah, I thought it went beautifully, and I think that you speak, oh, you speak really well. I knew you would because you write really well. You know, it was a fun book. I mean, as crazy as that sounds for the topic, it really was. I could not put it down. I'm not kidding you. You know, I'm I mean, so glad. Yeah, I'm so I, glad. Yeah. I appreciate everything you said. You know, this is this is my mission. Mm-hmm. You know, this is really what I'm meant to do right now is right. to try to change people's perceptions. And I cannot do it. You know, once the book is out there, I don't have control. And I, I just have to rely on other people getting it. And you really yeah. did. Yep. And, you know, and I think that people, as they read it, they will. But I also, I, I would say there's got to be organizations that you can send this to that maybe they can give it to other parents and it would help other parents. I know, I know. I, it needs to get, you know, I, I, I'm at that point. I mean, that's why I appreciate you telling people. Cause I'm at that point where I actually need people to say, read the book. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, yeah, I mean, I do. And the parents that have read it, you know, have been like, like it made me feel better. And that's, that's important to me, too. Yeah. Because I think a lot of times they forget that they can see it as funny. Exactly. But every life is, no matter what. There's going to be funny moments. Know. You know? Right, right. It doesn't matter what's going on. I mean, even, you know, as horrible as it sounds, I mean, just a couple of months ago, there was one week where I had to go to seven weeks in one week. And I said, this is crazy. Oh, I feel God. like I'm not going to wake I mean, this is crazy. And I was laughing at one point, and I thought, I can't laugh when I get to the wake. Nobody will get why? It's because I'm so waked out I can't take it anymore. It's not funny, but it was hysterical. <laughs> There's a difference, but people won't right. understand that. But you can find humor. If I was writing about it, people would find the humor in it because it's like, oh, my God, you went to seven? And I'm like, yeah. It was just like more than one a day. That's just crazy because they don't do them on certain days. You, know, you can't go to wake on a Sunday. So people were, you know, you can make, you can bring humor into anything because everything is funny. And well, let's face it, once somebody's on the other side, they don't know anyway. And if they do, they're probably laughing with me. So, you know, I don't think I'm right. with you. <laughs> but I, lo- I enjoyed the conversation. I enjoyed the book immensely. Um, I don't know. I'm even thinking, like, if you went to hospitals, their gift shops, and said, would you, would you like to carry this book? Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's a you good know, idea. You know, think of places where the people are going to be. You know, where are the people going to be? Where are the people going to be? And what a and perfect gift for somebody. It is. Because no it one ever says is. congratulations. Mm-hmm. I mean, people should say congratulations, not that's I'm right. sorry. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's, that's a good why idea. when people I'm were saying to me, down. I can't believe you're saying, you know, you found it was an amusing book and it was humorous and, and you really loved it and it was um, very light and they're saying, you know, this is a heavy subject matter. I'm like, it's, it's heavy because that's your belief. That's not my belief. Right. And they're like, okay, wow, that's just really pushing it. And I'm like, no, I don't think it is. I, I really don't. Right. Yeah, I just I was like, I, 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 there are a lot of things I look at differently, and that's why this radio show is a perfect form for things like that. You know, we've done so many different shows that people have said, you can't do that. We did a show on Tantra, and everybody was like, you can't do that. It's at 6 o'clock at night. Children are going to be listening. I said, I'm not talking about sex. I'm talking about a tantric life. And they're like, that's sex. And I'm like, actually, it's not. 
it's not. Tantra is totally different than sex. Sex gets pulled into it, but I'm talking about living from your heart in a tantric way, and I can do it. And we did it, and they were like, it was one of the best shows ever. And I was like, see, told you. <laughs> like, oh, my, oh my gosh. Like, yeah, I am weird, but, I, you know, it's part of my charm. What can I tell you? And they laugh, you know. So this one I was getting a little resistance because of the fact that I was saying it was a good book and it was it had humor and it was light and I loved the way that you wrote. And they're like, God, T, you know, you can't say some of the stuff you want to say on air. And I said, why not? They said, you can't call a doctor an ass. They said, he's an asshole. I won't say asshole, but I will say ass. And I will tell you, if I knew who that doctor was, I was ready to get in my car and drive to Maine and beat him. I was like, are you kidding me? You don't do this to people. I said, you know. And, and then when I talked about the part about Christopher and I was saying, oh, my God, I'm surprised. You know, I said, I might have been the type that just pushed him on the ground and said, how do you like it? No, I didn't do it. And they said, you want a children's foundation. I said, yeah, I know, but I never see the kids. (laughs) (laughs) And I wouldn't do it. They're not my kids. But I have to say, if if you get backed into a corner like that, you are going to be a mama bear, you know, and that's just the way it is. So, you know, but but I must have told six people, don't talk to me in in that tone until you read this book. And after you read the book, then you can yell at me. So I really think, I don't Thank know, hospital gift shops or something like that, you know. Um, and it just made sense to me. That's yeah, okay. yeah. No, I no. love that. I love yeah. it. But, um, but I appreciate your taking time to, to call in and be here. And I'm sorry for oh, whatever was kidding? going on at the beginning oh. of the show. I'm glad you didn't hang oh, no. up. <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, my gosh. I mean, that stuff happens all the time. No, it's I just, rare though, and I'm like, no, come I, on, this is a really good show. I want to talk to her. Don't do this to me. And, and I ended up calling from a line I never call from, so I'm like completely, you know, I was, I was like completely thrown out of my norm, you know. So I couldn't really see the cue or anything. I'm like, oh my god, I can't see the cue from here. And so I had to like wing it. Um, but yeah, no, but it ended up it being went. good, and and uh, yes. I'm just grateful that Elise sent it to me. You know, I really am. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm a huge fan. I mean, I'm just. I am going to follow everything you do. I, I'm so grateful to you that you oh. understand. Yeah, I think um, I think you know if you want to learn, and I'm like an avid learner, then you do want to learn. You just want to learn everything, and you just read anything that comes up, and you eat it up. You know, I'm hungry for that type of stuff. So I just like when you're talking about the brain, I'm like, oh yeah, I love that stuff. <laughs> like I'm right there with Thor, and I'd be there with him saying, yeah, let's do this. <laughs> pull the brain out what else can we do <laughs> what other trouble can we get in? oh my god <laughs> you know? oh i know when he found out they mummified bugs he was like let's do it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i was like i don't want to kill a bug to mummify it if we find a dead one. <laughs> oh my god that's too funny uh well, I hope that, you know, may, hey, maybe there's a book that Thorne will write. Maybe he'll do a book on photography. Maybe you'll sell the photographs. There's a lot going on here. I wish you the very best with all of your endeavors. Oh, my gosh. You, you too. Yeah. Um, I really, I thoroughly enjoyed having you on air. I'm so grateful to thank you for that. Thank you. And, uh, yeah, and I thank you very much, and I wish you all the best, truly. You too. You too. <laughs> thank you thank so much. Thank you. And, you know, enjoy Maine. I love it up there. I go up there every once in a while. I haven't been up in quite a few years, but I love it up there and beautiful country. Oh, if you ever come up, let me know. You know, I will because I'm. Um, sometimes I go to Massachusetts. That's where I'm from. Then I got dragged to New Jersey kicking and screaming, but that's beside the point. And <laughs> but now I'm here and making my way here. So you know, but I do get up there every once in a while. But uh, yeah, oh I my would. god, totally though. Yeah, totally get a hold of me. I would. I would definitely call you and say, Hey, I want to meet Thorne. <laughs> 
I, and I know um, you wouldn't feel bad about that at all. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. I'm I know. You that's on why I Twitter. Said it. Okay. okay. You okay. have a wonderful Yay. evening. Thank you. And uh, you're welcome. And good luck with everything. Thank you. You too. Okay. Right. Take care. Bye. Bye. Bye.